guys. This is Doug. Thanks for listening to What's the Hazard? I want to thank our sponsors for their dedication to the mission and their incredible generosity. Custom Concrete Specialists, the Nebraska Department of Labor On-Site Consultation Group, PML Construction, Make You Safe Wearables, SRP Environmental, and Liquid Trucking Company. Thank you all, and now, today's episode. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Doug. You're listening to What's the Hazard? Uh, this is the Hall of Famer, Aaron Cerrone. Back. Hall He's of been, Famer. Yeah, I always want to do that Joe Buck, Troy Aikman thing. You know, I have so. a picture of one of the first podcasts we did, which was over in the old building. Yeah. Uh, over at the, the, the Alltech area. Media. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I was like, man, I had to be one of the. You even, you even made me roll solo a few times filling yeah, in for you. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah, you did that. And I thought, you know, I, I always thought I would need someone to be kind of a guest host in my absence. Yeah. And so, but you haven't been on for a few months, man. I've been busy and you've been busy. July, our July 4th one. Oh, the. With Chris, that Chris. was the last yeah, one. That's really? the last one we were on. Well, it's been a long time. So everybody knows him. Everybody yeah. loves him. I got Aaron kicked Cerrone. to the curb. I got kicked yeah, to the curb. yeah. Well, I got, you know. He's got all these fancy new guests. Oh, and, I you do. Know, like, new connections. That's and... right. People I've never even met before coming on this <laughs> show now. So, well, it's been too long. It's good to have you back, man. I'll Thanks sit back me. and watch. I'm like, who's this dude on the show? I'm like, <laughs> I've been bumped by this guy. These posers. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> No man, no, no. You know you'll always be. Ba- you're always welcome. You'll always be back. So I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Always. Had to get, have, got to have breakfast this morning, which I always we appreciate. We did. We at Shirley's, which is a cool little. I was thinking about Shirley's today. It used to be a little hole in the wall on that strip, and now they moved into the old uh, Pizza Hut. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking that whole strip is becoming like this epicenter of religious organizations, right? Just like four churches in there. Yeah. Now, and that whole thing. I'm like, oh, what a genius to have a breakfast place. No kidding. Right by four or five churches. Right. And I love the diner. I, I just love the whole diner thing. I like di- diner food. Yeah. Um, our good friend, Chris Bryant is in the process of acquiring a diner. Is he? He's, he is considering buying a diner over in Shenandoah, Iowa. Okay. You know, we're, so he and I have been training over in Shenandoah this yeah. week with one of our clients and the little diner on main street was for sale. And Chris is not a guy who's going to throw his money into the stock market. Sure. You know, it's it's in a shoe box under yeah, the it's bed. In a sh- exactly. <laughs> it's in gold bars that are buried under the barn somewhere, but that's what our senators do. So what the hell? Yeah, absolutely. So he's looking at buying this diner, which I thought, you know, that's a lot of work. It's tough business, but man. that would be pretty cool. I grew you know, up in my dad's a- barn grill. Did you? And my grandfather owned one as well, and I, I was in the kitchen working. It is tough work. Yeah. It is. The restaurant business is tough. Yeah, I would imagine it is. I mean, and it's it, one thing to say, oh, I'm going to hire people and do it, but it, it, it's tough. you got to be on top of it yeah. constantly. And, and finding that right person that can run it for you. Sure. That's trustworthy. Absolutely. And not, it, it's not as bad anymore. You know, when I was growing up, the bar business was all cash business. Mm-hmm. So Somebody was always stealing from you, right? Right. It was not going in registers, going in their pocket. They were undercharging, overpouring, whatever it happened mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit easier now because most everybody just charges everything, so you can keep track of the money a little bit easier. And you got these sure poor systems where it weighs the bottles and whatnot. But my dad was always there, even if he had a bartender hired, he was still there mm-hmm. at the bar watching because mm-hmm. just in case you're going to get ripped off, you're going to get yeah. stolen. No um, doubn. And, you know, I think it's a little bit easier now, but it's still hard work, man. Running a kitchen's hard. Uh, making money at that's hard. The, the margins are not that great. Everybody thinks, oh, I just paid 10 bucks for a meal. They're making 10 bucks. No, that's not. Yeah. You know, the margins are not great. 
in a lot of restaurants. Well, I found that to be true in consulting as well. When I have a, I charge a rate, right, an mm -hmm. hourly rate typically. And people look at that and say, you make that much an hour? And I was like, no. No, <laughs> no I don't make anywhere near that an hour. <laughs> right. You know, after you take care of all the expenses and the travel sure. and the insurance and all that other stuff. No, I don't. I, that's just a big misnomer when people find out you own your own business and then they see what you charge. Like, oh, this is all going in your pocket. And you're like, you have no idea. Yeah. And, and I, I, I think the other piece, too, is you, you start to see that in society, like, you know, this this concept in the last handful of years, like, oh, if the company's making money, it should share all that. You know, a company X made profit record revenues this year. Why aren't they giving people raises? That doesn't mean we made that much money. That doesn't mean that that went all into the, the bank account and right. it's just sitting there. Like, there's there are expenses and and the, the overhead is massive in some cases. And, and oftentimes you're making up for years that were really lean. That were really lean or just because you revenued $100 million, you might, it might have cost you 120 to make that. Mm -hmm. You actually lost $20 million. That's mm -hmm. not uncommon at all. Right. Uh, That's interesting. My wife and I have been talking about, you know, what's the end game? And I've been a consultant now for the 10 dirt, years. The dirt nap. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is no end game. You know, I would love it if I could maybe work less, maybe work six and a half days a week rather than seven or something. Right. But finally, after 10 years of hard work and some frustrations, things are going reasonably well. You don't want to stop now, you know? Sure. I mean, that's part of the problem I'm Keep finding. Keep your foot on the gas. It's actually going reasonably well. I want, to, I want it to continue. But uh, that, that involves, you know, working hard, man. As you know, you're a business owner. I think it's tough, too, when you are the product that makes it tough. You know, one of the things that I would butt heads with sometimes is some of the other professors at UNO, they would always, uh, are you working on the business or are you working in the business? Oh, you're still in the business? Then you really don't have a business. Mm -hmm. You just have a job. And it's like, okay, dude, I get that. Like, yeah. I get that. Who wouldn't want to create a business where you can step back and let it run? But when you are the product it's a little bit harder. Like you are the consultant mm -hmm. people. They want Doug to walk in the room and mm -hmm. give the advice or give mm -hmm. uh, the opinion. Um, could you hire other people and step back? Yeah, but it's not the same. Like people come to my gym because right. I'm expecting teaching, to work out right? with you right. and, and run the class. So uh, it, it's tough to step back. Well, you're still in the business. Yeah, because I am the business. You yeah. are the business. Yeah. Right? It's like being a top-notch lawyer. Right. I'm going to hire you because I want you representing me. I don't want you to send somebody in so right. you can sit back and let your business don't run. Don't send me your associate. Right. Uh, so I, I think it's it's different. Like it's one thing like, okay, great. I bought a restaurant or I bought a franchise. I hire people to run it. I'm hands off. Um, you know, I'm an absentee owner. There are situations where you can do that. But when you are in situations where you're consulting or it's your opinion, your expertise people are looking for and paying for, it's incredibly hard, if not impossible, to remove yourself from that. Mm -hmm. Because now that uh, I, I thought I hired Doug, mm -hmm. not this Joe guy Doug sent. I've made that mistake a few times. I do have some consultants, some contractors that work with me, mm -hmm. and they are really good. And so, but I, I learned early to make it very clear that was my intent that I am going to send this individual. Sure. To assist you because they have certain expertise or mm -hmm. maybe something I don't know very well, whatever. But I've I made the mistake of sending someone else and in were, my place, and they, they were expecting you to walk. Yeah, in the and they door. were expecting me, and they, you know, not that I'm anything special, man, but that was the understanding. Sure. 
and uh, it didn't end well. So well, there's I, comfort I levels that. too. Like yeah. I'm comfortable that Doug's going to be honest with me. I don't know this other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, necessarily. It's interesting. The whole we we could talk about that business ownership thing uh, quite a bit. But I do want to make two announcements before we get started with the subject matter today. Number one, our good friend Darwin Craig, assistant area director at the Omaha area office, is pulling the plug. Going to retire at the end of October. Good so, for him. Yeah, nice. I think he's been with OSHA for 30 years or something or more, 35 years, somewhere in that range. He's been doing it a long time. And uh, October 31st, I believe, is his official final date. Now, for some reason, he picked like a Tuesday in the middle of a pay period to pull the plug. <laughs> but I know that it is, you know, Halloween and it has other significance sure. for him. So he's pulling the plug on there. So we are doing a little gathering for, for Darwin on October 14th. If you. If you know Darwin and love Darwin and would like to participate, I'm not going to make a general announcement, but get in touch with me. I'll give you the information if you'd like to come and pay your, I guess you don't pay your respects, do you? <laughs> That's more of a funeral. You, you praise, praise and yes, send off and absolutely. acknowledge. That's right. So if you would like to do that for Darwin, uh, let me know. You know how to get a hold of me and um, we'll send him off in style. Second announcement, uh, we've got a new sponsor of the podcast, Riskill. Risk and skill kind of combined into one word, risk skill. They're a occupational safety and health consulting firm. Nice. Mark McClure and Ted Summer, two really exceptional safety professionals. Friends of mine, of course, but really good at what they do. They've, they've combined forces, put this company together. Uh, Mark has been on the podcast a number of times. Ted doesn't have time, apparently, to come down. and <laughs> I think he lives in Wisconsin, actually, but... Two really exceptional safety professionals with a lot of expertise. So if you're looking, I can get you in touch with them, or you can find them, I'm sure, on the web. But So thank you guys for helping to sponsor the program. Everybody knows Aaron, um, also a sponsor of the program. His company is Mid-America Martial Arts, to which I have not been for a while. Company's man. a strong word. My apologies. <laughs> I would love. I haven't been over to the gym for literally six months or longer. I don't. It's been a minute. You had some back issues, though. I've had gotta... some struggles. This, this aging thing is not treating me well. And I will say though that you know having guys kick you in the face and twist on your neck and stuff is hard to do at my age. Okay, that's you know that you, you painted a picture there <laughs> right. that for anybody new watching that might have thought about coming in, <laughs> right, right. just it's completely like soured that. them. That's right. No, no, it's nothing like that. But that's what I tell people. There, there, there are opportunities for that for the for the younger folks. Sure. Uh, but even myself, you know, like I said, I'm turning fifty in in February, and as the coach of the place, everybody expects me to hop into the fray. Yeah. There's just some days I'm like, not today, guys. Yeah. My back's not feeling it. My neck's not feeling right. it. Or I'm still sore from the other day, which is just tells me I'm probably going to hurt myself. If right. I, you know, if I hop in there, and I will. Don't get me wrong. It's kind of like I, I equate it to like drinking. Mm-hmm. Right. Remember, when we were in college. You could drink all day, drink all night, ten days in a row. You just recovered, no problem. Still go work out. Still go to work. Shake it off. Maybe make, catch a class. Yeah, once in you a while. know. And uh, <laughs> I remember. I like. I can still hang with all the young guys. I yeah. don't. Don't think I can't hang with you. Right. It's just I'm not going to do it the next day and the next right. day. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do it three day, days I'll be in down a row. My physical therapist. Right. It's a once. It's a once or twice a week thing now. Not in every. That's and, true. Not an everyday thing anymore. That's very so, true. So it, yeah. You're a little bit smarter about and what you do. And appropriately so, man. I mean, that's how it has to be. But you're doing okay. Yeah. Things are working. I mean, yeah. the body's functioning. Everything, everything bends the way it should. Good, man. Good. I, I, I don't know if... 
I know that some of the listeners have come to the gym, have signed yeah. up at the gym, and I'm sure they love the experience because it is a fantastic facility, fantastic people. I've always enjoyed it. I'm hoping to get back. Yeah. You know, once you start that geriatric class or whatever, <laughs> where, you know, we do some. You did. Uh, you guys did have the, the geriatric group. I was going. part of the geriatric kinda, group. Kind of going. That's, that's true. And it's interesting because it gives you the impression that you're still doing it. You know, when well, you're, you are. When you're interacting just... with other geriatrics, you feel like you're still doing it. But I made the mistake of one time coming to like the actual class with the young men and women in the actual class. And that was a three week recovery after that. I, one, I would so. say it's, it's not that you're not doing it. There's just degrees and levels to it. Yes. It, you know, it's, it's running. We can also run a mile. We can't run as fast as we did at 20. No. No. And. and Okay, if that's your goal, go for it. But I, I have to have some some perspective and some a sense of realism. It's like, okay, right. I'm not. I I can I can try to hang with the younger people, but should I? And do mm-hmm. I need to? Really, that I can still do it. Is it just an ego thing? I can or still is this... do it. It's just to a different degree and a different level, right? Um, anymore, and and you find different enjoyment out of it. Mm-hmm. I think. True. I think that's anything like that's any hobby. And if you've been doing it for a while, there there is a certain amount of um, calm. Sure. That you gain from that length of experience. I think from perhaps. anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you get better at it, you, you learn the old man tricks and the shortcuts that the young kids don't know <laughs> right, yet. And right. you don't tell them because yeah, you want to keep that in your hip those pocket. Those are all secrets. Yeah, man. Because that's, that's right. your only advantage anymore. Um, but we've got some young guys in there, you know, in their early 20s that are just big Animals. and strong. And, yeah. and I'm just like, you know, I could, I could go head to head with this, but I'm probably going to get hurt. Yeah. Uh, it's hard, you know, so you yeah. learn to just deal with it a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there is an ego. You really have to check your ego because it's like in your mind, we were just talking about this earlier, like you're young in the mind and you're like, I should be able to hang with this kid. I should, I know I want to hang with this yeah. kid. And then your body's going, ah, yeah. Second thought here, buddy, you know, your shoulders like, Hey, remember me? <laughs> <laughs> right. Remember when you hurt that? And your yeah. knees going, Hey, don't forget about me either. And so you just, you have to temper that ego and those expectations, like, hey, uh, what do I want to do? What can I do? What should I do mm-hmm. in, in this scenario? And yeah. I think that's just exercise and life in general. You know, I have a lot of older people that still want to look like the person on the magazine. I'm just like, yeah, do you really? Yeah, you know, you, that's, a, that's a big price to pay. Let's just, it's a big price to pay. And I don't even know if we could physically get there at this point. Mm-hmm. And let, let's have a, a a better understanding and a better perspective of what health is at this point right now. Like what right. is healthy? And that's, that's always a question. You know, I'm always trying to answer my clients, like what is healthy? What's your understanding of healthy? Where do you want to be? Right. Um, and what's realistic? Right. Like, what, what can we get you to? There is such uh, a focus right now. It seems in the media in, in, you know, that, that you and I enjoy about longevity, mm-hmm. you know, and living a good quality life longer. Sure. The whole, biohacking what they call biohacking mm-hmm. now extending life is is, is a huge focus mm-hmm. right now one we're learning more the science is coming out a lot mm-hmm. of the science isn't suppressed anymore right you you, you had your day in research and, mm-hmm. and doug if anybody knows anybody good research and bad research and and a lot of the stuff out there is shitty research yeah, really by bad. the way right bad, not not even really close to scientific method a right. lot of pontification and anecdotal evidence but just big decisions are made, mm-hmm. right? Because of who's saying it and, and the power they wield. And but one thing that the internet has done, and it, it, it's allowed 
real data and real inf- and truth to come out. Now it's tough to find it because there's so much noise out yeah, there. Yeah, what's real, what's not real. Through. But we know things like the Ansel Keys study was a garbage study. Like we know he hand-pecked and cherry-picked his data. And the mm-hmm. seven-country study actually was more like 24 countries, but he only picked seven that mm-hmm. fit his narrative. Oh, yeah. And he had six and wanted seven and then picked a country that, went and did the data. He took the data um, during Lent when everybody's fasting and not eating meat. And, <laughs> right. oh, hey, look, a non-meat diet is right. good for your heart. It's like, you did it during Lent in a Catholic country. <laughs> right. Yeah, of course Convenient. the data's going to fit. Right, so there's a, a lot of that now is being debunked. And a lot of the, the problem is a lot of the dogma is tough to get around. Dogma mm-hmm. is always stronger than truth. And but a lot of the the data coming out now is really focusing on how to extend life, how mm-hmm. to biohack the body, um, how to you might be what they call your biological age, right? You are um, fifty years old, Earth age, but I'm biologically thirty five, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. right? And they're finding like in all of these blue zones, which a blue zone is where there's a concentration of centurions. Right. People that live to be a hundred years Long old, lit lives. Yeah. Um, their their biological age is younger than their actual age. They're mm-hmm. finding they're about ten years difference there. Mm-hmm. Um, That's really because of how they live and and, yeah. and the longevity that they have. And, and there's lots of things that lead to that. You know, diet clearly. Yeah. How much rest do you get? How much exercise? But, I, but I, it goes goes much much deeper down to the molecular level. Right. And into how your body regenerates cells and and the autophagy and mm-hmm. things like that. But it's interesting because I read that blue zone. I got it for as a gift a few years ago, and they don't all eat the same diet. No, you know, but and, and they look at a number of different factors that these different populations share in sure. common, like yeah. the, the, the common sense of purpose and this sure. sense of community, and, and they they move a activity. Lot. They don't you know, drive anywhere; they walk right, everywhere, they're and and they're out. Gardening was a big thing. They all mm-hmm. have gardens, yes. which is a parlay of they're out being active and bending down mm-hmm. and picking things up and eating. They're not eating processed foods. They're eating right. stuff that they grow. And they're literally own. out there in the ground, in the, garden, in the dirt yeah. and stuff. I mean, I, I've, heard, I've heard people talk about earthing. Have you heard this? Yeah. Where you actually like to lay or stand the in and, the grass, in the, the dirt the or something. The magnetic field of the earth mm-hmm. it centers you and grounds you, yeah. Yeah. Whether that be true or not, certainly these people share that in common because they are literally out there in the soil yeah. gardening. It, and and there it, a lot of there's a lot of stuff with, with sound, too, and, and hertz and frequencies and esophageal tunes mm-hmm. where the 528 hertz, uh, we all vibrate at a certain frequency. Mm-hmm. We're all, I mean, we're, none of us resonance. are really solid. We're all right. vibrating a certain frequency. And then the different hertz, 528, 432, um, you know, when you're in that resonance, now your body tends to naturally heal quicker mm-hmm. and heal better because, you know, you're in a natural resonance area. So, you know, all those things that what they're calling biohacking, taking NMM and mm-hmm. increasing your NAD in your body, which is natural energy for your body and allows mm-hmm. cells to repair. Uh, it's really fascinating. And it it, it, unfortunately, medicine isn't really accepting of it yet. You yeah. know, the modern medicine mm-hmm. and it's not really an we're AMA still, thing we're, we're still very symptom oriented, treat the symptoms with a drug. We don't like to diagnose anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't like to say, Doug, you have X and say, Doug, you have these symptoms. Let's, Treat these treat symptoms, symptoms sure. and then, of course, those beget other symptoms, and you never really get to the root cause. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of the longevity and biohacking is starting to drive towards root cause mm-hmm. and, and get to root cause and what's going to make us live longer and, mm-hmm. and be healthier. Right. Uh, 
for a lot of people, that's mm-hmm. well, my doctor said, mm-hmm. and that's where the dogma becomes stronger than truth sometimes, and it's tough to get over that because yes. people don't know. People just don't know, so or they're going to listen to the doctor, right? Which is fine. I get it. You're going to yeah. well, my doctor said, and I get that. Yeah, I think, but that yeah. that that has historically been the case. I think many of us have, be, have attempted to become better consumers of healthcare. Mm-hmm. By understanding a little bit more about it and actually entering into discussions with your provider, but that requires a lot of time and energy and research. You are. We were talking about it breakfast this morning. You are, and we neither of us had pancakes, by the way. We did not. We nor, nor syrup. We we didn't have pancakes, toast, or uh, home <laughs> hash fries browns. or hash browns. Yeah, which I love. But yeah, yeah but since you didn't order them, I didn't. <laughs> but peer, you, peer pressure. Even you were had. talking about you are finishing up your. Um, uh, a didactic program, yeah, which is recent dietitian yeah, school. Yeah, that's very exciting. It's been on the bucket man. list for a lot of years. I should have done it 30 years ago. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, just finishing that up. Good and, for you. Uh, which will allow me to sit for the national test to be a registered dietitian or a dietitian tech, whatever I decide mm-hmm. to do at that point. Mm-hmm. But that is something that you offer your clients as well. Yeah, I always I mean, have. I've always just been not like, a martial arts gym. I sure. hope people understand yeah. that. I've always been a certified nutrition coach and nutritionist mm-hmm. like that. It, there's a lot of semantics involved. They're like, what's the difference between a nutritionist and a dietitian? Really nothing other than a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, a dietitian is allowed, is allowed to work in a hospital, whereas a nutritionist generally can't. Okay. A dietitian is allowed to start to diagnose some things. A dietitian can actually treat disease, whereas a nutritionist cannot. Okay. You can't legally I say. I didn't know that. As a nutritionist or a diet coach or a health coach, I can't say... Doug, go on this diet to help your diabetes. You can't say a dietitian can say that. I see legally. Okay, okay. it's a lot of gray area. Like uh, a nutritionist has to coach. Okay, a dietitian can treat. I see. Interesting. Even though they might be saying the same things. Yeah. So it, it's semantics at the end of the mm-hmm. day, uh, mm-hmm. and the pomp and circumstance of mm-hmm. it all. But nonetheless, they're both trying to get people healthier and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So you now have you well, and then you have been all along because we've been talking about nutrition yeah. since I started coming to the gym. But you know that's kind of a comprehensive approach to wellness or fitness. And by the way, whatever. we said we weren't going to talk about this today. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know, man. But I find it really interesting <laughs> stuff, and everybody that's listening finds it interesting. I would assume. You Let's know? hope. So, yeah, and if they don't, yeah. you know, then check it out. Next we'll tie time. it back in. Yeah. So to get back on track, then. Um, one of the things that we do together is the Encore Safety Network, sure. that group here in town. That, And you periodically give leadership updates or you, you call them some yeah. type of check-ins. We call them check-ups, leadership check-ups. check-ups. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get online once a month and we'll usually have a topic that we talk about in terms of leadership as, as it applies to safety programs. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, I'll give them homework or pose them some questions. Mm-hmm. We try to make it a, like a group discussion and, yeah, and I will talk about, Hey, how, what are you doing here? What are you doing there? Hey, that's a good point. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Or does anybody have any problems? And usually somebody had an incident. All right, let's talk about it. How would you handle it? How would you mm-hmm. handle it? That type of I thing. Love that, yeah. And I'll have a topic of the day usually and have a, a quick presentation, but I, I like to get it interactive as quickly as possible because mm-hmm. the value in the network is learning from each other and, and bringing up uh, things mm-hmm. that, Hey, what are you doing? Hey, let's all try that. It looks like a best practice or that's mm-hmm. a good standard operating procedure. And, and they're all from different industries. So everybody has different ways of doing things, but you can learn from each other. I always like in my entrepreneur class, I always said, just cause you're in construction doesn't mean you can't learn from the flower shop. That flower shop might have a kick-ass way of doing something that you can apply over here mm-hmm. as well. It's interesting because you see a lot of, I mean, just off the top of my head, I'm thinking of these like 
membership car washes. They're everywhere. And that's another model. That's someone else's model that they uh, that they have adopted, and it seems to be really flourishing because it's, we have a car wash in every corner. It's the box gym model. It's the box gym model. And then Exactly. Yeah, we went from no car washes to one on every corner. There is literally time. one it's on hilarious. every corner in Omaha now. I don't even think to wash my car that much. Uh, you know, I'm not vain enough to want to wash my car. I, I've had much. that conversation, you know. <laughs> I it sounds like an you know when you pull in to get the you know your one-time car wash, they're always trying to sell you yeah. on the membership. And I'm thinking, I just don't even think to wash my car every I'm day. I'm the guy that in the winter, all right, hose it down, get all the salt off, and go. Right. And then <laughs> I'll wash it in the, the spring. And my car looks like it, too. That's interesting. Well, so yeah. the question that you posed to the group last, I thought, was yeah. really interesting. Let's talk about so that. So what I bit. did was, I, one of the things in business you always ask yourself is, could I leave and it survive? You know, that whole, what we were talking about earlier, are you in the business are you on the working on the business? Do you have the processes and people in place where you could go on vacation and not have to worry about it? Like the worst thing about owning a business is you're always, you're with your kids, you're always thinking about the business. You're with the business, you're always thinking about your kids. It's tough to separate. Mm-hmm. So, do you have it set up where you could leave and come back and everything would be firing on all cylinders? So, I posed that question to the group. I was like, "All right, everybody here, when you think about your safety program, could you leave for a month and would it be okay?" And they all said, no, not a chance. Yeah. I said, okay, probably not a good thing. So what is it? What is the fear that would not allow you to leave? And one person goes, yeah, I could leave, but my phone would be ringing off the hook every day. I was like, okay, well, then you really haven't left. So what is it? Is it the processes? Is it the people? Is there a trust level? Um, do they not know how to do it? Is there an education piece we're missing? Um, and a lot of them like, well, things are just happening and it's always changing. And okay, that, that's fine, but that's business, right? Mm-hmm. That's life. You should still be able to remove yourself and have empowered enough people that they can make decisions on the fly. They can evaluate what's happening and, and follow the checklist or follow the rules or, or, or follow standard practice and best practice and, and make the right decisions without you being there to have to hold their hand. Okay. And maybe after the fact they go, Hey, uh, Doug, here's what happened. Here's how I handled it. Did you see anything we did wrong or how would you have done it? That's a great conversation to have Absolutely. after the fact. Sure. But you shouldn't have to be there for that to happen. They shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Let's wait till Doug gets here. Well, the guy's right. bleeding out. Do something. Right. Right. Call Doug. What, <laughs> you know, let's, what do we let's, do? let's wait for the boss to get here. Like, mm-hmm. You should be able to. Um, Jocko Willink, right, ever since his book came out, decentralized execution, right? Decentralized leadership. It's a basic concept that all officers in the military get at the most basic level, right? Centralized command, decentralized execution, make the decision, let them carry it out. Um, If you have to be on top of it, and maybe not in a micromanage kind of way, but you have to be there before anything will move, you don't have that decentralized execution. You haven't empowered people. Mm -hmm. They don't have the confidence to do it on their own. And and that's a little bit dangerous because especially in the safety world, if nobody's willing to budge or make a decision or evaluate and react, now you're stagnant, right? Now it's like, well, let's wait for the boss. I don't know what to do. Let's wait for the boss. Like, well, man, that thing's about to fall over. Let's do something. Mm-hmm. Somebody make a decision. The boss is out of town. Yeah. So it's uh, kind of the um, that that concept of that the integration. You know, we've talked about it's not safety. There's no safety program that you just like an add on to your work activity it's working safely is just more of a an integrated mm-hmm.
concept where process and efficiency, quality, safety are all mm -hmm. integrated into our work. It's so, a lifestyle. It's a way of Yeah, so you shouldn't have to it. wait for the safety guy to initiate the safety activity. Or to ask the question, or I don't know what to do, or I'm not sure what to do. To me, that's an education and empowerment issue. Like you, you haven't educated them to the point where they're confident enough to do it on their own. Or they might be confident enough to do it on their own, but they still feel like they need to do the mother may I. Mm -hmm. So you haven't instilled the trust that they, they can act on their own without you having to be there. Uh, I shouldn't have to be going out to the site every week. I should have confidence that the site managers and those foremen, they got it dialed in. We might be checking in, but I shouldn't feel the need to have to go out there to make sure everything's going okay. Mm -hmm. um, is that is that a is that uh, uh, an, uh, an unwillingness to relinquish that control? Maybe or sometimes, or just yeah, sometimes or inadequate preparation. On uh, the other hand, maybe. You know, I think I think if you're not involved, you don't feel like you're in control of the situation, or you're not adequately managing. Or, yeah, what do they need or, me for? Or what do they need me for? But at the same time, I try to tell people when you're in leadership and management, your job is to not do the job. If I'm doing the job, why don't I hire these people? My job is to give them the tools and the skill sets that they need to succeed and do the job. Right? I need Definitely. to set them up for success. If I'm there doing it, then I haven't done that. Right? I, I'm, I got bigger things to think about. Mm -hmm. I'm running the program. Mm -hmm. And part of running the program is educating and empowering that they can execute. I shouldn't be executing. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And because of that, I'm not able to leave the program with confidence that it won't fall apart. Right. Right. And don't get me wrong. I, I, we just passed the 20 year anniversary at my gym. Of your business. Yeah. And I know if I went out of town, I'll probably get a phone call. Now, it's not near what it used to be. I remember one time I was out on vacation and my phone rang and it was the person around the desk. They're like, hey, the toilet's broke. I'm like, why are you calling me for that? Mm -hmm. Just fix it. Mm -hmm. Like, just fix it. Uh, it, it's a little bit different, right? I'm the only owner. Uh, I only have one full-time employer, but else are part-time or contracted out. You know, so, so you have the walk over the dead body syndrome sometimes. Well, it's not mine. It's not my responsibility. Or I'll walk in the room. I go, how long has this door been broke? Oh, it's been like that for a few weeks. Well, why didn't anybody at least say something or right. tell me, right? right. Uh, it's a little bit different when you have full-time employees mm -hmm. and there's more ownership to the job. But you know, I'd probably say the majority of my staff, they will just on their own take it upon themselves to do stuff and mm -hmm. change stuff. It might not be how I like it, and we'll talk about it afterwards. But I've gotten to the point where I'll tell them, hey, I'm leaving. I'm not going to have my phone on. Just handle it. Just deal with it. And, and we'll, uh, we'll talk about it afterwards if, it's, if I would have done so it. So if you had to different. weed out some employees and contractors yeah, in I mean, order that's to always, arrive at that? That's always, it's always a struggle hiring the right people, mm -hmm. you know, you We've all been there. We hired some stinkers, or I, I always had a bad habit of hiring people that needed a job. Oh yeah, <clears throat> yeah, come here, come here, yeah, come here, I'll hire you. I mean, and then always yeah. held on to them longer than I should have. Yeah, um, but I, that's just—I think everybody goes through that. Mm -hmm. More importantly, it, it's empowering them. Just hey, just make the decision. Make the best decision that you think is most appropriate for the moment. If it's wrong, in my mind, no decision is worse than indecision, right? Mm -hmm. I'd rather you do something and be wrong than do nothing at all mm -hmm. and just sit and watch 
the chaos right. or watch it sit there broken or watch the mess. Take some initiative. Do something. Do anything. I'd rather you be heinously wrong and we can learn from that and, and figure it out later and maybe come up with the best practice or procedure right. to prevent that in the future than just to sit there and do nothing and just let it be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as long as I was waiting for the boss to get faith, back. Right? Yeah. And you've equipped them to the degree that you can anticipate their needs sure. to make those decisions. Uh, but, uh, you know, from from the conversation I had with that group, I, the vibe I get is that a lot of safety programs are, are not like that. It's easy to sit agree. back and say, oh, my people are empowered. They all know to be safe. They all follow the procedures. They're disciplined enough to see it if I'm not looking. Well, then why can't you leave for a month? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. So it's either lack of either you don't have the confidence in them that you can't leave for a month that you feel the need to check in or the phone's going to keep ringing, or they don't have the confidence and trust that they feel they need to keep calling you because they know if they act on their own, you're probably going to be in their ass mm-hmm. afterwards for making a wrong decision yeah. or not doing it the right way. Right. There's there's a disconnect there's somewhere. A blame rather like than you should be the, like the CEO should be able to go on a month vacation and the company not fall apart. There should be checks and balances and, and, and secondary tertiary systems in place that it can run. The same way should be for the safety program. That's, I think that's the true barometer if you have a good safety program is if you can leave for a month mm-hmm. and you know with confidence it's going to keep running, it's going to run smooth efficiently, good decisions are going to be made, procedures are going to be followed, uh, they don't need me there. That's an interesting test. I, I wonder, I hope everybody asks themselves that because is it sustainable in my absence? Are we, that, are we to that point yet? Yeah, if you were gone, OSHA showed up. All right, I don't care. Right. I didn't need to be there. Right. We got our ducks in a row, our shits together. I know everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. I know that foreman can handle it. I don't care. How, let me ask you something. How'd it that, go? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hey, Absolutely. OSHA showed up where you're gone. Oh, cool. How'd it go? You know, that's kind of the, uh, there is a, uh, a large general contractor in this area that has, they've kind of done that. Their safety program is primarily driven by the superintendents of the projects, you know, so they've been trained extensively on those expectations and policies and procedures and the safety personnel in that organization are really just support people. You know, let us know if you need something. We'll come around periodically just to make sure, you know, people know who we are and that we're available. But you are running the safety program. You know, we've given you the resources that you need. And it seems to work pretty well, you know. I mean, but it didn't come without some pain, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And there's a fine line. Like, when I say you should be able to detach yourself and not be on top, I'm not saying ignore. Mm -hmm. Because if you ignore, right, then things might start getting off the path and right. all of a sudden you went, oh shit, how do, how do we get off scope here? I've had that happen in my gym, right? Mm-hmm. I'll get guys coaching and I'll watch and they'll be doing a great class and I'll be like, okay, I'm confident they can do a class and then four or five months go by and I haven't checked in on them and I come back around, I'm like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> right? And, and it, it wasn't that they're doing anything wrong. It's just slowly... It's drifting. From, slowly drifting, right? Yeah. So you, I'm not saying don't ever check in on the damn thing, right? You, you should do your periodic check-ins. You should bring everybody in once a month and mm-hmm. you should do your updates. and Kind of recalibrate. Yeah, recalibrate. Make sure you're on, still on scope and, and do a litmus test. So I'm not saying ignore. Mm-hmm. That's different, yeah. right? You don't ever want to ignore. Right. 
where I'm saying I shouldn't have to be on top of it and micromanage it 24-7. Right. I should be able with confidence, be able to work on other stuff and know this is sound. I'm still going to come back to it. You still check your regs if they're up to date. You still do mm-hmm. updates. Don't get me wrong. Um, but there's a fine line there. It's easy to ignore. Like mm-hmm. you get in this mode of, all right, it's set up. I don't have to be on top of it. I can breathe. I got time yeah. to do other stuff. Right. And then it's not that you ignore, you just forget about it. Like it, it's, you don't want to get too comfortable mm-hmm. to where, you know, I never have to, unless you hire somebody yeah. in your stead to then kind of fill right. that role. Right. Um, to watch it a little bit. But, but yeah, I think that's, you know, that's a great it, question. What, the though. sustainability piece, kind of bringing it full circle, right? You know, we're trying to sustain life, extend life. What's, what's the sustainability of, of your safety program? Um, can, can it stand on its own? Mm-hmm. Like, can it stand on its own? Yeah. Not, not that, I mean, you should, as, as a trainer, you know, we're, we're talking about our friend Katrina Bishop, her and I are starting a new business venture. Um, we're doing some online health metabolic and mental health coaching. And one of the things we have on our website, it says, we don't want to be your coach forever, mm-hmm. right? Nothing would make us more happy than you to develop the tools and the skill set and the ability Absolutely. to live a healthy life on your own. Mm-hmm. It's, it's within your control. I don't want to be your coach forever. I've always said this to my trainers and coaches like, hey, a good trainer should not keep you on the tit forever. Mm-hmm. Like a good trainer should be able to train themselves out of a job. Right. But I, I, I've taught you enough, Doug, of fitness and nutrition and health that you can do it on your own yeah. now. Go. Mm-hmm. I don't want your money anymore. Mm-hmm. Go. Like every time I've heard somebody, I've had my trainer for five years. I'm like, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> right. Right. And you have not changed in five years. Or, I mean, or maybe you have. It's like you can't do it on your own now. Right. Like you don't feel it. Now, some people need that accountability piece. Yeah. Some people like that, that coaching. Mm-hmm. I get it. But in my mind, at some point, a trainer should go, dude, you got this. You're on your own, man. Right. You don't need me anymore. You shouldn't want me anymore. Go do right. it, man. In fact, why don't you go show someone else? I think that's Pay it forward. important. Right. So as, as, as somebody running a safety program, I should be able to go to my people. You got this, man. Go do it. Mm-hmm. Do it. Don't quit calling me about this stuff. Right. You know how to do it. Yeah. Maybe check no in doubt. once in a while and say, hey, what do you think about this? Or here's how I handle it. How would you have done it? That's cool. Don't call me for the mother may I anymore. You know how to do this. Mm-hmm. Go do it. Yeah. Let me let me change direction just a little bit, but something you mentioned, micromanagement. Can you talk a little bit about micromanagement? And, I mean, is there a reason? Is that an insecurity thing? Is that I can do it better? I mean, why do people... I think, obs- I think there's a time and a place. Obsessively micromanage. And it's very rare that you should. Mm-hmm. So micromanaging, in my mind as a leader, that's an insecurity issue. Mm-hmm. You don't trust anybody, so you're going to be on top of them. You're going to be in their chili. You're going to be second-guessing them. You're going to be over their shoulder. No, do it like this. No, do it like that. Um, learning and training is micromanaging. Like on-the-job training is micromanaging. Like Doug's new. I'm going to sit him with Aaron. Uh, he's going to shadow Aaron. And then when Doug starts getting in the seat, Aaron's going to be helping him. That, that's micromanaging, mm-hmm. right? But in a learning in training education setting, it is appropriate. After that, I don't feel it's appropriate, right? That's a, that's a management insecurity issue. I don't trust this person. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be on top of them all the time. I, once, I won't name the company. Uh, I, was, I was managing, and my director actually told me, Aaron, I want you down there micromanaging them. And I was like, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. 
do you not trust people that much that you literally told me to go micromanage them? That that was weird to me. I didn't last long at that company because because of that fact. Because there was a lot of micromanaging that was going on, but it was just a lack of trust. Nobody trusted anybody. Mm-hmm. And that's generally where you'll see it. Right. And 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 to me, if I'm running the safety program, and I always feel the need to be on the job site all the time, that's micromanaging the safety program. Mm-hmm. You clearly don't trust us anybody to do it. Interesting. In your absence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's a number of reasons for that, like how there's a lack of trust. Like I didn't educate them enough. They didn't give them the skill set. It's the wrong person in the job. Um, I haven't empowered them, right? That, that all leads right. to micromanagement. But again, in, in the training and in, in education setting, yeah, that's fine. Somebody new out there, you want someone on top of them making sure they're doing it right. I get that. But even then, you should be giving them a little more rope, a little more rope, a little more rope getting away from it so they can stand on their own Mm -hmm. okay and don't need anybody there and then just as you've talked about in the pet just do these periodic temperature checks where you're checking in with them you know making sure everything's do yearly or quarterly uh checkups or or what what, in the flying world we would have check rides every year you had to have a check ride to make sure you were still proficient in everything Mm -hmm. that's that that makes sense to me Mm -hmm. um Shit, we should do that with our driver's licenses. Oh. <laughs> Have some at least every five Please. years, everybody redo it. Oh my god! But um, yeah, that's fine, right? Because that's just making sure we're maintaining a standard. That's not that's not micromanagement. That's just maintaining standards yeah. at that point, uh, and putting processes and systems in place to ensure that happens. Right. But, but I've heard people say, particularly in the safety world, if you're not out there on the floor or out there on the job site, then you're not doing your job. And to some degree, that compulsive, I need to be there to make sure people aren't, I mean. It's a slippery slope. It's not quite, we're not there You don't want to be absent. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be this mythical being, Doug's a safety program Mm -hmm. manager. Mm -hmm. No one's ever seen Doug. We just know he's there. Yeah, we've heard the name, never seen him. You know, from a leadership perspective, you need to walk the floor. You need to shake hands. You need to meet people. You should know everybody's names. That doesn't mean I should be there all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. Not nor should any. I be beating people up over safety. Nor should I be beating people up. Or, that's not my job. That's who's ever running that floor. That's their right. job. Right. right? So it, it, there, there's a fine line, okay? When you're a leader, yes, you should be out and about. People should know your face. You should know people's faces. You need to have that rapport, right? But that doesn't mean I'm on top of them 24-7 mm-hmm. and in their chili. That's, right. that's completely different. Right. Um, so I, I agree, but I disagree with that statement. Yeah, you should be on the floor once in a while. People need to know who you are. You need to show interest, okay, and, and have rapport. But I shouldn't be right beside that press operator up in, up in his shit telling right. him how to do it the right way. Right. Or, you know, that's now, now you're overstepping and now you're starting to micromanage. Yeah. Interesting. It is a little bit, it's somewhat nuanced. I can it, see it how is. people that have not been introduced to these subjects, I mean, like when, you know, a, you know selecting the right leadership. Right. And giving them the skills that they need so that they understand this is important. Most people that are micromanaging don't realize they're doing it. Yeah. They don't. Or realize. don't admit to it. Uh, you know, because we, I, I've worked for people yeah. that we said, well, just leave me alone. You're micromanaging. I'm not, I'm not micromanaging you. But do it this way. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> I used to get that all the time. And I was like. I'm not telling you what to do, but I want you to do it like yeah, this. <laughs> yeah, but it cannot deviate from this. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, maybe they either don't realize it or. Or just uh, not willing or not comfortable with relinquishing. There's a little bit of both going on. Yeah. Um, and and sometimes they don't care. 
this is how I want it. This is yeah. what it is. Okay, sure. cool. You I know, that's, that's an approach to leadership. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it works in some cases. Uh, I think as a whole, it doesn't. It, that's what creates a toxic culture. Uh, that's what pe- puts people on edge because they're always second guessing themselves. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, yeah. You know? I see that a lot. That's and great. I don't think that's good for safety. No. People second guessing themselves. Right. Because they're not, now you get into that indecision area where nothing happens then. I know. Yeah. That, yeah. It, it is. And I see that frequently. And I can, you kind of commented on that. I don't want to be your trainer indefinitely thing. Um, I don't want to be your consultant indefinitely either. That's kind of something that, you know, I mean, because after a point of working with a client, I'm not really giving them anything new. I'm not necessarily adding value after a point. I do think that at some point the intention is stand on your own and take this yourself and run with it, or perhaps even maybe bring in someone different that might different set of eyes, bring a different energy and a different set of eyes or something, you know, but I I find myself with this um, kind of this, uh, I don't know if I'm becoming complacent, but after a period, you know, you visit the same location, you know, regularly for years and all of a sudden you're not even seeing the stuff that you noticed you used in the to jump beginning, out, yeah you know and that concerns me and the benefit of you having other consultants working under you is once in a while you can go hey i'm going to send joe out this time instead of me i just i think the place needs a fresh set of eyes mm-hmm. and so there's benefit to that and mm-hmm. absolutely agree like it's always get the second third opinion i tell kids when they turn in papers i was like did you have anybody read this well, no, I didn't have time. I go, well, that's clear. Because you stop seeing things in your paper, yeah. and it sounds great to you because yeah. you're the author, whereas if you'd handed it to someone else, they'd have gone, I don't know what the hell you're trying to say here. Interesting. It makes no sense. Or, or the obvious spelling errors mm-hmm. come out. So you, should, you always should have one, at least two, maybe three people read the paper, and if it makes sense, if the message is getting that clear to all three people, now you know you've got a solid paper. The same thing in our management. It, it's, if I'm the safety person... Yeah, I walk the floor. I should have somebody else different walk it, or I should have somebody go, "Hey, do me a favor, walk through the shop floor and just let me know what you see. Mm-hmm. Does anything jump out at you?" Right? And they might ask, "Yeah, why is that sign there instead of there?" And you'd be like, "Oh shit, I never thought of that. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a good idea, right?" It's like in, in any business scenario, you should have. It's better to have than have not. You should bring everybody into the room because everybody has valid thoughts and opinions. Even if you don't need the marketing person, have them in there because they might say. I don't get it. Why is it like this? You're like, oh, shit, I never thought of it like that. Because they had that marketing mind perspective. Ask the question. You're like, oh, like, Let's, oh I never thought of it like that. Uh, so you should always have different people walk the floor, have different people come in and evaluate the program, have different people, you know, just kind of look at it and say, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Or, hey, if you were to blow this up and redo it, what would it look like? Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. to... That's a good question. Throw, throw new ideas out yeah. there. And you're like, wow, okay, I hadn't thought of that. It may not work. You may not adopt it, but at least it's a different point of view or a different thought process that mm-hmm. wasn't on the table before. And yeah. now it's at least out there. And be like, oh, you know, it might not work now, but let's keep that in our hip pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's interesting. I, I was at a conference last week, Make You Safe, over in Des Moines. Uh, another sponsor of the podcast, you know, the, the wearable technology yeah. company. Yeah, and fabulous my, stuff. Fabulous. And my friend Pete Suska was there. He was speaking, and he was talking about um, making the business case 
or the presence of certain hazardous activities. You know, we do this activity. We know it's a hazardous activity, a high-consequence activity, and we have always done it this way. So but it we makes us a shitload of money. It <laughs> makes us a shitload of money, yeah. So rather than asking, you know, but, but, you know, hey, can I put a guard around that? Can I slap some PPE on somebody or whatever? Why do we do this? You know, is this a necessary yeah. step? Or is this something that we can eliminate or change or something? I think we become so, which is why it's nice to have different people looking at your facilities or reading your documents or whatever. Am I, am I even asking those obvious questions, you know, or am I just making that assumption and walking right past And part it? of it is, is talking to your employees, what I call that tribal knowledge. Uh, a lot of times employees... They figured out a better way to do it. They figured out a safer way to do it. They just haven't informed you. Mm-hmm. They're probably already doing it. Probably, yeah. Out of out of maybe survival, but just out of efficiency. Like Adaptation. every every yeah. employee figures out how to do the job quicker, faster, with less work on their hands. Right? Of course. If the boss gave me four hours, I'm gonna figure out how to do it in two, and then chill for two hours. Right. right. They'll figure out how to make it more efficient and, and easier and less work for themselves. They may yeah. not say anything because it's their little secret. I get it. But one of the things is like, hey, man, do we have to do it like this? And you might have an employee go, no, not really. We could cut out half these steps, but that's just the way you guys told us to do it. So we just indulged you. Mm-hmm. But we could skip these <laughs> right, three things. Right. And you're like, oh, shit. Right. You don't know because you never asked. Right. Or they didn't feel safe to bring it up. Good point. Right for fear of losing her job or fear of rocking the boat or whatever it happens to be. Yeah. So a lot of times those answers are there. We just haven't mined it out. We haven't walked the floor and talked to mm-hmm. people. We haven't developed an environment trustworthy enough that they're willing to bring it up. They're going to keep it their little secret because it's job security. Right. Like, man, Doug's really good at this. He pumps out three times as many as everybody else. How does he do that? Well, Doug figured out the shortcut. There are a lot. He of does it in half the, the steps that everybody yeah, else man. is doing. And right. Uh, a lot it of is the what secrets it is. out there. That's that work is imagined versus work is done concept. Yeah. And that disconnect between the ivory tower and the floor where, you know, we just gave you this building and said, hey, make some widgets. And you've kind of figured out a way to make them efficiently, quickly, less, yeah. less labor intensively, perhaps. Employees are really adaptive in that way, man. They're like, smart. They're, to figure I mean, out they're the doing way. it every day. Yeah. They're it's smart. Them. Even in safety. Now, we always assume the employee is going to take the safety shortcut, or is it just a different way of doing it? Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. A lot of times they'll take the shortcut. It, and, it could and be. It's an inconvenience to tie off. They just sure. want to get the shit done and get it out of there. But a lot of times uh, they'll figure out better ways to be safe. Right. Just because they've seen, I saw Doug fall three times doing it that stupid way. I'm hooking up this way. Yeah. I know I'm not going to fall when I hook it up this way. For whatever reason, we change procedures because some smart kid in the tower yeah. Said no, we got to do it this way. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. I'm going to keep tying off this exactly. way. Exactly. That well, that happens all the time. You know what I mean? Totally. And uh, so that a lot of that's out there as well. Yeah. Uh, they just they just figured out different ways over the years. Yeah. Uh, how to do things, right, wrong, or or indifferent. They're going to um, figure it out. But I think that goes back to um, I think that's just the opposite of micromanaging, where you're not talking to people enough. Okay. Yeah. And and you're not building that rapport where that information's coming out. They're not. They don't want to bring that information to the table. They're not walking in the door saying, hey, boss, I, I think there's a better way we can do this. They're not they're, volunteering They're just that. keeping it to themselves, mm-hmm. right? Because they're just, that's just the way they figure out how to do work. Mm-hmm. And uh, they don't care what I think anyway. Right. That type of thing. 
That is the opposite of micromanaging. 100%. Okay. Interesting. They're both dangerous. Both dangerous. Cool, man. I love the question. So I think everybody's homework for this week, which we've actually never assigned homework. Sure. But I think you really need to ask yourself, is my program sustainable to the point where I could remove myself from it for some period of time and and it doesn't just totally disintegrate? Yeah. You know, or just... can, can it stand on its own? Mm-hmm. Right? Can the people below you run it? Would they even notice you were gone? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a like, good one. Would they even notice yeah. you? Could you leave and, oh, you were gone? Yeah. Perfect. Right. Perfect. Yeah. I didn't and... know you were gone. Awesome. <laughs> that would be ideal. Now, it could be the fact that they never knew you were there to begin with. <laughs> right, like, we, don't, right, right. we don't want that. Who are you again? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, if you could leave and then they didn't even know you went on vacation. That's the goal. Now you got it. I love it. Now yeah, it's man. running. Very good. Well, that went fast. We are way past time. Dylan's asleep in the booth. <laughs> Sorry, man. It's all good. Uh, really good. Hey, thanks for coming, man. It's been it's good to see you. Always. I fun. miss the gym. I'll come by sometime and just make my geriatric walk and then pass right on back. Is Patrick <laughs> still there? Patrick's still there. Yep. Yeah. Good. We're, we're we're working on getting a couple more trainers in there because Patrick cut down the two days a week because he's. It's harvest season or something with oh, his in-laws. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, real busy. He's yeah. picking cherries picking and apples cotton. and who knows what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, we're good. And um, I think this is the year that everybody joins Mid-America Martial Arts. <laughs> we need to have, like, a safety workforce that is, like, the killer elite, you know. And so. I can get my retirement fund in order. Yes, let's work <laughs> on that. All right, guys, thanks for listening. I hope you have a great weekend. Ask yourself whether or not your program is sustainable. If you were to like remove yourself for just a short period of time, would things carry on as you would hope, or is everything going to fall apart? I think that's a an important or question. Or is your phone going to ring off the hook yeah, the entire gonna, like, time you, you're on you the You can't beach. enjoy your vacation yeah. because your phone is constantly ringing. I've had that experience. So Me too. Appreciate it, Aaron. Good to you see bet, you. Buddy. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Dylan. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you guys next Friday. Take care. Bye-bye. A Huda Media Production.